0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the latest HR on The Offensive Podcast. It's me, Chris Howard, back again as always, your humble narrator for this latest podcast, released out every single Thursday. I hope you are well. Not that you can tell me whether you're well or not, because this is a one-way platform. Today's podcast is going to be an interesting podcast. It is lace only, so I've got a couple of our fabulous laces to join me, and it's all around everything to do with change. I'm not allowed to talk about change without getting the fabulous Liz Bailey on our podcast. So Liz, how are you? I'm very good this morning, bright and breezy. Thank you bright and breezy are we like like it like it you're not going to confess that I've had about two hours sleep uh, no, chris. because you've been so worried about what we're going to say on this podcast today. that's why uh-huh. <laughs> and we've got kathy akratopla who is our managing director and co-founder joining us as well kathy you're right i'm good thank you chris absolutely also bright-eyed bushy-tailed ready to roll Ready to rock and roll. And today's podcast title we are calling is "Change Navigation: A Balancing Act." Quite an interesting one because we talked to lots of different businesses around this topic. And so, what I wanted to do is just really uh, kind of get an opening, kind of overview as to some of the conversations we've had with businesses. So, I'm going to start with you, Liz, on uh, uh, some thoughts around this side. Give us a little bit of a give us a little bit of a background as to where this sort of conversation took place because we obviously had a chat about it between the three of us a few weeks ago, and we said, you know what? Let's get on here and talk about a podcast. So why are we doing this podcast?
1: So I would say that um, from my perspective, one of the things that is absolutely fascinating about change is the clients come to us and expect a kind of one size fits all. But actually, change is never that. So it absolutely is about what client needs, what the transformation is about. And there are questions that we often ask, I think, Cathy, isn't there, when when we go on to a client, there's particular questions that we ask around change and around the setup of the HR function and that really help shape actually the environment that the transformation is being delivered into.
2: Yeah. And I guess what I'd add is that, um, you know, we're talking about change here in the context of HR transformation, right? Clearly, clearly we. All, all of the things we do with our clients is to help move the HR function forward or deliver amazing people outcomes. So the change that we support our clients with is in that context. And I think because it is quite a specialist context, on and in all the programs we've been involved in, we've we've evolved our thinking on what makes change stick in that setting. Mm-hmm. And actually fully accept as as Liz says, you know, that the, the way to navigate the change is is going to differ by by company by context of, of where they are but as a result you're sort of often walking a bit of a, a narrow path or a tightrope through that change and getting that balance right is is really important and so we've got some sort of key questions that, that we like to debate with our clients that, yep. that help set that path through that sort of navigation route um, yep. which we can,
0: we can go into today. Well, let's yeah. Um, First question is a really interesting one, actually. Who leads on that change? Who drives it? Is it the business or should it be the HR function? Liz, we'll kick it off with you.
1: Yeah, I love this question actually because I always think that it's a bit of a. I mean, there's going to the answer to this is going to be quite a lot sitting on the fence because I think it's a bit of both. So I think that HR has a huge role actually in terms of building the necessary expertise. So it depends on the the change expertise within the business as to who's in driving seat quite a lot of the time. But actually, any transformation is a great opportunity as well to to build that change expertise that's the role i think from an hr perspective so hr as a, a facilitator of change and of and, and building that expertise also actually the other thing i would say is hr in are in a unique position of having a a kind of helicopter view across the business, which obviously you wouldn't necessarily have if you're in one business unit or or area of the business. So there's a whole raft of reasons as to why it would naturally be HR leading, leading the change. But I do think you get the best results when actually the business, you have business leadership and that capability within the business as well. Just to build on that, I think that um, this is always a good debate with a client, right? Because actually,
2: if the change that you're instigating is, let's say you're changing your HR operating model, maybe you're you're centralising activity into a service centre, maybe you're changing the role of the business partner, maybe you're asking people to do more for themselves in terms of, of implementing technology that enables more self-service and the onus is then on the individual and the line manager, for example, to pick up a lot of activity or that you're automating that activity. Think about in the context of that change, when you You're engaging with an HR function through that transformation. Within the function itself, we get very excited, right? As as functional people, as to what that change means and how amazing it's going to be, and and you know what what impact it can have. The business may not share that excitement. Okay, so actually, from their point of view, having to use a new tool or not being able to speak to the person that's maybe sitting a few desks away who was their HR contact before, and now having to ring someone centrally for the same support um, or go online and self serve may not incite the same excitement within them. And therefore, actually, what's really important here around leading the change is that absolutely, HR is front and centre and driving the change. But maybe some of that messaging and the leadership aspect of that needs to come from the business with business context to get that balance right, that we're not sort of putting lots of bells and whistles on something that actually, from a business point of view, may not be wildly exciting, but actually may actually help them do their job, make their life easier in some way but but accepting that that getting that tone right can sometimes best come from the business in terms of the messaging and having business leaders deliver that messaging sometimes has a as a higher impact than h r maybe delivering
0: the messaging does the hr function because of the what well, you're describing it there do they find it easier to to absorb change than other functions in your experience.
2: OK, so, so I think where I'm coming from there, Chris, is not so much about HR finding it easier. I think that HR understands the change better, I guess, or or is is able to engage with the change better because it's their function they're changing. Yeah. But the function is there to service the business, right, from, from, a, from an HR perspective. And therefore, ultimately, the change is going to impact employees, line managers and leaders as well as the HR function. So having a joint voice is important as you can navigate the change because that's where the change is going to impact. So I think that's where I was coming from in terms of. Is, change, is HR more change ready, if you like, and, mm. and more change capable? It's a good question. I mean, I, I don't think compared to other functions that HR is any worse or better. It's more the business context and maybe how used the business is to going through change. That's maybe more the important factor that would drive that. I don't know what you think this.
1: Yeah, I think probably my experience has been quite often that HR are sometimes the worst actually for supporting themselves through change. But I would say that's because they're so focused on supporting businesses that actually when they're going through change themselves, they don't give they don't actually take their own advice or necessarily yeah. give the time to it because they're still focusing on change. As we know, I mean, it's pretty much a constant, right? So there will be change going on within a business that HR is supporting. And at the same time, they may be going through change themselves. So I would—I I don't think it's a capability thing. I think quite often it's just that we're, as humans, not always as good applying our own knowledge to ourselves and our situation.
0: Yeah, that's very true. I mean, even if I think about myself from a marketing point of view, like I... I deliver my team delivers marketing for lace partners as a business when I talk about when I look at my own personal brand sometimes I almost lead that to one side because I'm focused more on it's almost like that's my day job and so it's when you get home at the end of the day you know do you want to you know as a dentist do you want to really be pulling your own teeth out at the end of the day yeah, that that I think I'm going, off a, I'm going off yeah, to <laughs> a lovely
2: <that's> analogy <laughs> that's I'd maybe go with do they floss
0: regularly rather than pulling their own teeth yeah, okay, out but that's maybe, maybe that's a better example okay I'm going to move us on <laughs> <laughs> one of the other questions that uh, obviously you guys ask when we are in these kind of uh, situations is how much of change needs to be delivered either centrally versus locally Kathy I'm going to yeah. start you off on that one. And
2: look if, if we think about the types of organizations we work with they're typically global with with you know a a, a large scale. So in that scenario you can have the conversation with with that business, the HR function around actually what's the role of the centre in setting out the change and supporting through change versus actually how much do you leverage your local teams to to enable the change in different um, parts of, of the world or in different offices in different parts of the business, as in business units. And therefore, again, it's back to this how much you need to understand local context to be able to land the change successfully so you know in that sort of large global environment uh, our typical approach is is sort of a balancing act again of saying what do you do at the center from a maybe a methodology a toolkit a change strategy and plan and advice and guidance but maybe the change deployment in terms of local tailoring local messaging and local support through the change is is all done in location or in business unit or you know where you where you can actually really understand how things are landing and get much more of a temperature check on on how things are progressing rather than trying to do all of that from the center I don't know, Liz, is that your
1: experience? Yeah, my experience for sure has been where, so I think there's efficiency in terms of change delivery when obviously inconsistency, when it's centralised, but actually going, then working, and it's all about actually, for me, working relationships. So it's that sense of collaboration. And it's not necessarily even process-driven, actually. It's just about the relationships that you've got from a centre into markets or into country teams. So I've seen it work best where you've got the knowledgeable people locally but that you've got a really nice change set up where they are part of, so they're engaged and there's good collaboration with the centre and then the efficiencies of centre creating collateral or creating the messaging and the narrative and it's pushed out and then localised, exactly as Kathy just said.
0: So, I mean, I guess it goes back to what we're t- titling this pod, really, it's that balancing act, isn't it, in between yeah. that, the central and the local. We have lots of questions that we need to get through, so I'm going to move us on. Quickly, I don't know we'll get through to all of them, but if you're listening into this and you're interested in some of the questions that we're posing, if you just want to drop us a note, um, you can either email myself, Cathy or Liz. We'll put our email addresses in the, the show notes that we have or just fill in a contact us form. We will, we might not get through to all of the questions today, but yeah, just uh, drop us a note and we'll be happy to have a chat with you. So uh, Lee, actually, Cathy, next question that we often ask, to what extent is achieving people management excellence in the scope of the programme Versus the broader cultural change.
2: Yeah, I mean, this one, this is you know, has I, I have a tendency to get on my soapbox on this one, Chris. As you know, so keep me, keep me um, short and sharp. <laughs> it's time. Well. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I think that this is a really good question to to get into a debate with with HR leaders on because. When you are changing the function in some way, whether that's systems model or both, the function itself, an HR function, has a huge dependency on people managers to enable them to provide great service, right? Because if people managers' capability isn't strong or or they don't feel accountable, confident and accountable for for managing their teams, HR ends up having to lean in and do a lot more of that than, than maybe in an environment where... You know, people managers absolutely embrace that accountability and and do that day to day. And so quite often when we're starting an HR transformation journey with a client, one of the big questions is, you know, what is the capability of your people manager pool right now? How explicit have you been about what's expected of people managers and how much have you actually supported them to be great at that part of their job? And if the answers to those questions implies that actually there's some way to go, then this is an opportunity to, to build that into the programme, recognising that big dependency that you've got on that being successful, the dependency on people managers are influencing the programme outcomes. So for me, it's a, it's a major point. The challenge is that quite often that's quite a big task. And therefore, the budget and the, the focus required to upskill people managers may feel like too too big a sort of a elephant to eat in terms of um you know taking it forward so actually what can you achieve through the program versus what what needs to be embedded more in a broader curriculum or a broader learning support environment coaching for those individuals to be better at that within business as usual so again the balancing act of what sits in the program versus what sits in bau yeah
1: And I think, yeah, I think also actually something that LACE do with their clients. So we've got, we have a leading through change offering and what that is all about. There's two things that it's all about. So I think that depending on the size of the company, people managers will look to senior leadership and uh, stakeholders in terms of how they embrace and approach change. So what we do is we work really closely, actually, with the sponsors and the the senior stakeholders to really build their capability up front for them to lead through the change. And then the people managers see that it's role modelled and and they know you know the the kind of benchmark is set. And one of the the other the reason that we do it actually is that we are massive fans of being upfront about what the potential blockers are or the opportunities or the levers that we we need to pull. And from a business perspective, getting that understanding up front means that we can really proactively plan the change. And as I said, it's not one size fits all. And then that's rolled out. So that ambition, the change ambition up front with the leadership team o- owning it and then cascading it down through the people managers really helps to drive the change in the right way and, and actually set it up for success and, and adoption.
0: And I guess linked to that, and, and this is the next question that we've got, is around HRBPs and how much support and capability, or sorry, how much capability support they actually need to perform. Cathy, I don't know if you've got any thoughts from that perspective.
2: Yeah, and I think
0: this the, the two critical
2: audiences or, or sort of persona groups that are impacted by the change are, for me, the people managers and the HR business partners. And again, similar to the people managers, the the, the, the I guess the gap between where they are now and where they need to be in the new operating model, let's assume it's model change can be quite significant. And it's what you can achieve in the, in the lifetime of the program versus what you achieve longer term, but also a recognition that, that. You know, the business partners, particularly if you're maybe centralizing, taking away some of that operational activity that maybe the business partners have needed to do because there's no other effective way of delivering it. Maybe you're automating it, maybe you're centralizing it, or maybe you're asking people managers to do more of it, It leaves the business partners with that sort of more narrow but actually incredibly challenging focus around more of the strategic advice and supporting business change and providing that sort of leadership, coaching, guidance for 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 business business leaders. So there's the role changes, right, and and ultimately some of those individuals will be fully up for that, and that's all they love doing anyway, and don't and and they will absolutely jump in with both feet. Other individuals may say, actually, well, that the other aspects that that I'm no longer doing in my role is probably what I was more comfortable with. And so that that understanding of how each individual is impacted as well as the role in general is really important, but an acknowledgement that actually some people will require support to get them to where you want them to be as business partners. And then also you need that communication and engagement with the business leaders who the business partners are partnering with so that they understand what how their expectations should change and how they the way they interact with their business partner needs to change to support the overall direction of the operating model so again it's to me it's another big segment that, that is really impacted
0: yeah Liz I see a lot of vociferous nodding there so uh, I know you've got a, a view on that I guess no two VPs are creative alike are they so
1: no, exactly, and actually, it depends on the relationship that they have with with the business as well. So every HRBP will have a different type of relationship, and I think that if if it's a close one, then there's there's they the, the that the business go through the change with with the. So if an HRBP becomes more strategic and they're close to the business, then I think that there's uh, they can grow together if that makes sense. So that relationship moves into something more strategic than being transactional but if the expectations of the business and the relationship is is maybe not so strong, then I think that you could change a HR function, but if the business aren't then coming to the HRBP for that service, it's not gonna land, actually. It's difficult, it creates a difficult, because there is, I mean, there is an approval seeking piece, I think, from the HRBPs, because you want to be seen as delivering the value. And if the business wants it to be transactional, that actually the HR function is moved into being
0: more strategic, then you've got, you know, there's a tension there, I think, that has to be worked through. We've got five questions left, and I'm, I'm deciding whether or not to just read out all five and then let you guys pick from one of them. So we'll get I'll, Yeah, I'll get, do that. I'll get you guys do one each. So I'll start with you, Kathy. You can take your pick, and then Liz can do the others. And as I said, for those of you listening, uh, what we'll do is we'll put our details. So if you want to talk through any of the specifics of any of the questions, then please just reach out to us, and uh, yeah, we'll be happy to have a chat. So, Kathy, we've got, what's the best approach to managing the transition of ramping up people manager capabilities whilst ramping down HRBP support, so in other words, ripping off the Band-Aid or a gradual change over time. To what extent is it necessary to fully resource and upskill people operations before launch versus launching good enough with ongoing continuous improvement? Uh, with all uh, third question. I'll, I'll uh, pause
2: you there, Chris. Yeah, you already you, uh, I, I can see those it. Those you were two like, to yeah, me, we up. combine them, right? So we can combine the answers to that because ultimately this yeah. is that this is the tricky bit of the balancing act, right, that that we need to we need to get into because ultimately you can say that that actually there's a rip-off the band-aid approach here, right? That says ultimately if we get our new operating model in place with our amazing system that's going to automate a chunk of what we do in HR, that means that we're making assumptions about people manager capability being ready and we're making assumptions about business partnering being focused on the things that we're now saying it's going to do and we're making assumptions about our maybe our centralized hr operations function being up and ready in reality All of those pieces have been impacted by change and will be in a learning mode. None of them will be ready overnight. And therefore, that transition of, of what to go live with when and how to manage expectations through the change is really important. Because what you don't want to happen is you go live, let's say, with a new operating model and the first experience um, is negative, right? Maybe it's an employee, you know, I'm ringing a service centre and I don't get the answer I'm looking for or I'm going online and I can't do what I really wanted to do. Or from a, you know, overnight a business partnering focus has changed and, and as a business leader, I'm, you know, I'm expecting this amazing sort of strategic advice today because, you know, that's the new role from my business partner and maybe I don't get that in my first interaction. So we have to, to me, it's getting that balancing act right and accepting that things won't be perfect from day one and therefore managing expectations and recognizing therefore that a really important part of transition is to understand what feedback mechanisms we put in place and to understand how we ensure that we are responding to feedback as a function, but also that our people we're providing services to recognize it won't be perfect from day one and we're on this sort of change journey together. And we will evolve to get there. So that that to me is sort of that covers both, right? But but I think the challenge here is what to go live with, when, how to manage expectations, and then how to transition over time. Yeah, and Liz, just build just anything
0: to build on that.
1: This is one of my favourite questions, actually, in regards to the transition. So one, what I've experienced is. If it's so there is definitely a journey, exactly as Kathy just said. So adoption doesn't happen. We we know this. You don't switch on and then adoption happens and everything's grand. What's really important is that the business and HR stay true to the vision. So this goes back to understanding where where it is that you want to be. If it drags out for too long, so if you if that transition period is too long, I have seen H uh, R s and businesses lose sight of actually what it was, and it and it starts to so side process, you know. it it doesn't it doesn't stick change doesn't stick as much unless you stay true to the ambition that you set out for yourself at the beginning so I think it's that again it's just the balance it's the balance between it's not going to happen straight away but you need to stay stay true and and keep on track in regards to driving the change
0: through to adoption nice we are almost out of time for today i just want to give you guys a bit of a free swim now just because obviously there's a couple of questions that we've got left. Are there any kind of final points that you want to I start with you kathy that you want to pluck out of what we've uh, what we kind of the questions we ask companies that we talk to with regards to that balancing act around change navigation
2: the other balancing act we haven't covered to me is is about being honest about what the change will involve for people recognizing that particularly for maybe people managers, we as a function, HR, might be asking them to do more. And whilst we are here to give them support and guidance and hopefully better tools to enable them to do that in, in a in an easier, more efficient way, we may be asking them to do more than they used to do. And, and therefore let's be honest about that, right? And but but position it as being Ultimately, this drives better outcomes for the business. And that's what we're all here to achieve is better outcomes for the business and ultimately also better experiences for our employees. So I I think it's not over promising about, you know, this is going to make your life easier. It it should be easier to people manage, but actually you may be asked to do more of that people management. So to me, that's that's one that, that again, is another sort of navigation point as you go through Mm -hmm. the change
0: definitely and Liz just to wrap us up for today any kind of final final thoughts you get the yeah. jerry springer moment final, sp- final
1: <laughs> no no pressure i would say you know i think that the the way to deliver change successfully is that hr are not in the driving seat but they are a really close co-pilot and that's a kind of plain car analogy mix but that that for me is if we if we can be in a place where the leaders of a business people leaders within within hr feel that it's their responsibility to drive through and and lead the change but hr they're supporting and um and facilitating and enabling then that's that's a really that's a really good balance
0: lovely thank you very much for uh, some insight some change management insight for us a really really interesting piece today again as i said uh, halfway through the the show if you have any questions you want to chat with us about any of the discussions or some of the questions that we ask people to think about when they're going through navigating that change please feel free to reach out to us liz thank you very much as always thank you for having me so I call you Queen of Change. <laughs> no, Anytime maybe. we mention that from now on.
1: I quite like the yeah, Your own I quite like i so I'll go yeah, with you'll that. You'll
0: take that. You'll take that. And Kathy, thank you as always for joining me pleasure chris always good to have a good debate yeah it always is um you can of course get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts whether that's apple spotify stitcher we are just about everywhere these days um, you can also get access to our whole back catalogue of the different types of content that we produce we've got a lot of interesting things coming up some really really interesting uh, discussions coming up over the next few weeks hopefully you can join us for those we have enjoyed having you with us and uh, we will enjoy hopefully seeing you next time on the hr the podcast bye bye